Spoken Word, half an hour of poetry and performance, your connection to Melbourne's grassroots poetry scene, the voice of those of us who have nothing but our voices. the Spoken Word Show on 3CR Community Radio. My name is Brendan Bonsack. The 3CR studios are closed down at the moment, so I'm sending this out from further afield, though still on Mawandri land, near the banks of the Mary Mary. I'd like to acknowledge the people of the Kulin Nation and their ongoing culture and connection to the waters and the land. Sovereignty was never ceded. Today's program is a chance to play some excerpts from a memorable gig that took place last year, the final readings at the Eltham Courthouse, after a 16-year run. The night was convened by Helen Lucas, and we'll hear from poets Emily Polites, Steve Smart, Sandy Jeffs, Paul South and Megan Bell. So for those of you out there nostalgic for live gigs to packed rooms, please enjoy. Thank you everybody for coming tonight. It is... um Somebody said sad and exciting. It's, it is a mix of emotions. It's a, a finish for this chapter of the courthouse. I don't want tonight to be bleak. So um, this is called Joyride. And when I thought about the title of this, I thought it's apt for this evening because it has been a joyride. So Dave's in his brother's suit, worn to funerals and now in court. New shirt white. Collars too tight, silvery grey tie. His mother knotted them that morning. She wanted to throttle him. Sister Mel in her work skirt black. Blouse with a cowl neck and flowery print in blue and pink. Good shoes with buckles, a slight heel. Hair tied back in a ponytail. In the mirror, she looked unfamiliar. Mum Pam's in a pantsuit. Dad's got a poker face. There was Jeff and Deb and her boyfriend Greg in the Ford that night. That weekend, Dave and Mel's folks went away. So Dave's at the wheel, next to him Jeff rolling a spliff. They hit the ton on the KG straight, Deb and Greg pashing in the back. Mel head out the window, yahooing at the night, laughing at the wind. Wellers coming up. The bend. There was Jeff and Deb and her boyfriend Greg in the Ford that night. That weekend, Dave and Mel's folks went away. Backing off, slowing down, a car comes up behind. Inside the car now, a purpley hue, a night mix of red and blue, a police car's flashing lights. It's the cops! Spliff out the window, Deb and Greg sitting up, buttoning up. Mel with sparkling wet eyes, her brother Dave at the wheel. There was Jeff and Deb and her boyfriend Greg in the Ford that night. That weekend, Dave and Mel's folks went away. Parents are called and stories are told and retold on Monday morning at school. Deb drops Greg only after one thing she said over and over again. So now, Dave's in a suit, Mel's biting her nails, Deb and Greg sit apart and Jeff hasn't shown. Mum Pam's in a pantsuit, 
and Dad's got a poker face. Out the front. So that really was based on my experiences. I wasn't in the car, but it was the story I heard on the Monday morning at school. So here she is, a very well-trained and experienced poet here, and very tall, so up goes the microphone. Could you give Emily a huge welcome? I actually have one to read, written by my illustrious sister, who can't be here. And it's actually a response she prepared to calm the customs officials when she and her fellow were importing a military article <laughs> that looked, looks a whole lot more dangerous than it is. Trench art. It's trench art. Just trench art, mate. A benchmark in sculpture designed to celebrate military culture. Sure, it's the exact same size and shape, height and weight of a fully operational shell, big enough to blow an enemy fort or holiday resort or international airport <laughs> to hell. But all's well, it's trench art, mate. Just trench art. Just papier-mâché in a copper casing. Painted, treated and radiant. There's no metal dart made of depleted uranium. It's a conversation piece, patriotic and emotive. There's totes legit, no explosives. It's trench art. Just trench art, mate. Nothing less and nothing greater. We're definitely not going to spontaneously detonate a DU penetrator. Viruses like flu and coronavirus spread when tiny droplets from coughs and sneezes land on surfaces that others touch. You can help reduce this risk by coughing or sneezing into your elbow or upper arm, or use a tissue and put the tissue in the bin straight after. Then wash your hands with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. Together, we can help stop the spread and stay healthy. Visit health.gov.au to learn more. Authorised by the Australian Government, Canberra. A 3CR supporter. Ah, uh, tonight I really did want it to be full of fun and like Sandy was saying earlier, serious or silly? And I said silly, so thank you so much for silly. Steve, would you like to come up? Give him a huge welcome. When I was just a little boy, I asked my mother, what will I be? Will I be pretty? Will I be rich? Here's what she said to me. No. <laughs> que sera, sera, poet you'll be, you'll be. The future's not yours to flee. Que sera, sera, poet you'll be. When I was just a child in school, I asked my teacher, what should I try? Should I study logistics? Should I build bombs? 
This was her one reply. That's W-A-N for the pedant. <laughs> que sera, sera, poet you'll be, you'll be. At least some of the drinks will be free. <laughs> que sera, sera, poet you'll be. When I grew up and fell in love, I asked my lover, what lies ahead? Will we have tax returns? Will anyone pay? Guess what my lover said? <laughs> Can you guess? <laughs> que sera, sera, everyone will expect you to work for free, except Helen, they all know what artists be. Que sera, sera, deadbeat you'll be. <laughs> Last verse. Now I have no children of my own. Young poets ask me, what will I be? Will I be respected? Will I be able to pay rent? I tell them, try comedy. Yes, there are, there are. Sing it with me. Poet, you'll be, you'll be. The future is ours to flee. Yes, there are, there are. Poet you'll be, que sera, sera. Can we all welcome Sandy? <laughs> so this poem is uh, one that I actually published a long time ago in Poems from the Madhouse, my first book, but I've actually rewritten it. So it's uh, it's got a coda, which is a little bit different to how it would have been. So... It was originally called a thesaurus of madness. Now it's called people must think I'm crazy because. <laughs> Being the mad woman, I'm also a maddie, a mental case, a bedlamite, a larundalite, a screwball, a nut, a loon, a loony, a madcap, a mad dog, a psychopath, a maniac, an hysteric, a psychotic, a schizophrenic, a manic depressive, a megalomaniac, a pyromaniac, a kleptomaniac, paranoid, catatonic, brain sick, hippish, an imbecile, a crackpot, an idiot, an oddity, a basket case, an odd bird, pixelated, demented, moonstruck, hazy, dippy, bloopy, distracted, pixie led, a scatterbrain, certifiable, crazy, loco, psycho, schizo, another, possessed, fevered, bonkers, obsessed, bedeviled, troppo, starkers, potty, nuts, daft, dillia, crack brain, a fruit crake, touched. Being insane, I suffer from mental illness, psychiatric illness, dementia precox, brain damage, unsoundness of mind, alienation, lunacy, madness, mental derangement, mental instability, abnormal psychology, loss of reason, intellectual unbalance, mental decay, a darkened mind, a troubled brain, a deranged intellect, nerves, imbecility, cretinism, morosis, psychosis, feeble-mindedness, queerness, having a screw loose, bats in the belfry, rats in the upper story, nervous breakdowns. But wait, there's more. <laughs> Being as I am, mad that is, I must be bananas, cuckoo, la la, gaga, balmy, special, rabid, weak in the head, seeing things, hearing things, mentally disordered, wired wrong, on the loop, stir crazy, cuckoo for cocoa puffs, beside myself, a half bubble off plum, stark raving, stock raving, delirious, wacko, wackadoodle, away with the fairies, away with the pixies of unsound mind, not in possession of my faculties, without my marvels, without both oars in the water, a nut bag, a nut job, 
rambling, babbling, crackers, scatty, screwy, wild, berserk, horn mad, batty, non-compass mentis, not running on all cylinders, not playing with the full deck, not all there, a camel short of a caravan, a ball short of an over, a pad short of a kit, a sandwich short of a picnic, a few fries short of a happy meal. <laughs> A shilling short of a pound, a sausage short of a barbecue, a chapter short of a book, a tinny short of a slab, a brick short of a load, a lettuce leaf short of a salad, a bird short of an aviary, a sheep short of a mob, a cow short of a herd, a cat short of a clowder, a kitten short of a litter, a crow short of a murder, a zebra short of a zoo, a dog short of a pack, a ship short of a fleet, an apple short of an orchard, a mushroom short of a trip. <laughs> a clown short of a circus and it goes on being a lunatic I am not in my right mind bereft of reason deprived of my wits <laughs> one and eleven pence half penny not quite the full two bob as mad as a cut snake as mad as a two bob watch as mad as a hatter as mad as a march hare as mad as a wet hen as mad as a meat axe as silly as a wheel, diseased in the mind, wielded in my wits, not the full quid, round the bend, a candidate for bedlam, foaming at the mouth, up the pole, out of my mind, out of my box, out of my tree, out of my skull, off my face, off my block, over the edge, off my rocker, off my saucer, off my trolley, a shingle short, and I have a kangaroo loose in the top paddock. <laughs> Being wild and unhinged, I live in a madhouse, a mental home, a mental hospital, an asylum, a lunatic asylum, an insane asylum, bedlam, a, a booby hatch, a loony bin, a nut house, a bug house, a psychiatric hospital, the rat house, the giggle factory, the rat factory, the funny farm, a cuckoo's nest, la la land. I am many things in many places, fool that I may be. I am in all my precarious guises, the creation of a cruel mind. But, OMG, do not despair. Praise the Lord and all hail the gods of Big Pharma for my drug-induced synthetic sanity because I now have a clear mind, soundness of mind, a wholesome outlook, good mental hygiene, a balance of mind, good mental health, a healthy mind, reason, saneness, lucidity, lucidness, sense, wits, right-mindedness. I'm in possession of my mental faculties, mentally stable, mentally sound, fully conscious, not wandering, not certifiable, clear-headed, level-headed, grounded, undisturbed, a reasonable person, in a reasonable spirit. I'm also rational, sober, balanced, firm, commonsensical, collected, steady, <laughs> coherent, not neurotic, in my senses, all there, Thank God I'm stupendously sane, <laughs> extraordinarily normal, marvellously ordinary, taxonomically uninteresting, <laughs> and linguistically very 
very, very boring. <laughs> You're listening to 3CR. Stay tuned, stay safe, and be kind to each other. I, uh, I love, you know, the chance to be able to sit down and, you know, through words have something really introspective and meditative and... The rawness of words, that finding the essence of it, finding the story. The longest distance in us is the curve of the S. I think writing is the best medicine that, you know, can heal you so quickly. I think that the community of poets is one of the best communities out because we do support each other. Yes. <laughs> So, so tragic, isn't it? This is Spoken Word on 3CR Community Radio. Welcome back to 3CR Community Radio. Today we are playing some highlights from last year's final Eltham Courthouse readings. Who do we have up to the top of the list? Paul, Paul South, where are you? Up the back there. Give him a huge welcome. Um, Half of you will probably know this and half of you won't. But, but the word kangaroo is a sort of a, maybe an urban myth or an Australian kind of a myth. I thought it was the truth until I looked it up. The, the word kangaroo came from uh, Joseph Banks or Captain Cook or something asking the local Aboriginals, you know, what's that animal? And they said kangaroo, but what it actually meant was, I don't, under, I don't know. I don't know. I don't understand. So, so yeah, so I wrote this poem, Kangaroo. Writing is greater than work or philosophy or even death. No one will read most of it, but it exists entire, always has. We evolve in leaps and bounds, but it's all a misunderstanding. From beneath our feet, these words take root and grow a generation. Then they too become mulch. This pen moves time itself, makes shapes of everything figured. A kangaroo, you might say. A tree upon the hill. Thank you. Okay, you ready, Megan? The beautiful Megan Bell. Autopsy. 1712-07. Subject. Female. 29 years old. The mortician's meat, fridge white over her body, caught in the comedy of death, preparing to split her open and see what's inside. With chicken scissor shears, they ratchet open her chest to find the first anomaly. Nestled round her heart are seashells tucked beneath bloody flesh, on the stomach wall still pulsing a bumper sticker, save Ferris. One of the morticians laughs nervously as the shadows of the woman's lovers slip from the slick arteries curl. It becomes clear that her lungs are stuffed with sheaves of paper and old records, the Sex Pistols, Janis Joplin and Beethoven's Ninth. In her ears, a clarinet, a franking machine and the long squeal of tyres. The smell of burning rubber fills the room. A cleaner trundles in a trolley, and there are three now, intrigued, digging through the woman's entrails. In the neat curve of her brain pan are words strewn, reckless and chaotic, pages ripped from books and an old wardrobe door. 
With delicate hands, they fold open her neck and find a swan, a tutu, and a ballet set. Caught in the strings of her voice box, a dictaphone. The cleaner picks it up and presses play, so words fill the room in endless loop. It's a deal, it's a steal, it's a sale century. If I fit near, I think I'll keep it. All right, all right, keep your Ellen's on. <laughs> With a click, one of the white-coated turns it off, leaving every movement sounding loud. There are six people in the room now. The cleaner, a cop who's come off duty, the encore doctor, two musicians, and an undertaker. For a moment they pause, looking at each other, and then they begin again. Everyone jumps when from beneath a lifted clavicle a small woolen cat in Christmas colours springs into the air like a paper snake from a peanut tin. Beneath her ribs, pushing aside her grandfather's toolbox, is a bottle of chartreuse and an empty gin bottle. The black-haired mortician hands around some beakers, pouring them all a green dram with her pale, shaking hand. They slug it down like shots, throwing back their heads, while the cop shakes his own head in wonder. Peeling back the skin to her elbows, they find fishnet stockings, an invitation from Dr. Frankenfurter, and a cuttlefish, still curiously alive, pulsing with colour before fading into the air. Folded about the threads of her wrists, an old patched coat caught in the wheels of a bicycle, defying logic by hiding in the slim hollow. No longer hesitant, they open her hands, which pour out marbles, ribbons, feathers, blue and green strings, stickers and rocks, candles, glitter, and a hundred thousand smaller things. Each of the six pulls something precious from the flow. The doctor, a small brown photo. The cleaner, a dried flower. The cop, a blue marble. The male mortician, a white feather. The female mortician, a tiny bone. The undertaker, simply sifting his hands through the glitter that dribbles from her palms and piles on the ground beside the slab. Reverent, they open the cradle of her pelvis, where the ghosts of unborn things curl around an unmade bed, quilted with the smell of rain in the morning. Running down the inside of her thighs, an oriental rug, filled with tiny geometric pictures marked by a leaky bottle of lemonade, leading to the umbrella stand in her shin, which falls out loudly onto the floor. The autopsy room is cluttered now with a bed and a bicycle and a wardrobe door and other things, the science of the room obscured. They come slowly to her feet, pulling gently at the bend of her ankle, first a button, then the heel, a pair of old red shoes. And searching deep among the bones of her foot, they see the dark path walked. Even the undertaker steps back, each looking at this woman cut open before them, her body the slim case of her life. The doctor is ready to leave, but the two morticians step forward again while the cleaner leans on his mop. Parting her lips, they're startled by her lover's kisses, the taste of tank water, strawberries and wine, a bottle cap and a smooth stone she liked to push around in her mouth. With delicate tools, they tap at her teeth, frantic to find the answer. There are pianos, seahorses and elephants, the very moon inside those ivory cups, but not what they seek. It's the cop with driftwood hands who turns her head, so that finally they see into her eyes. In her eyes there are a thousand birds, folded and sleeping, all wrapped in retina and the truth of vitreous humour. 
At the first brush of the scalpel, they explode into the air, flapping ribbons of colour, soaring and spiralling flock, rising to the ceiling, out through the windows, up the chimney and into beyond. They are all touched by the feather breath of wings. The woman on the slab, all eye empty and gone into the world. The morticians struck dumb with wonder. The undertaker silently weeping, and the cleaner on his knees, smiling like a child in the sun. If you've just tuned in and you're wondering what that is, dear listener, it is the sound of live applause, something the Melbourne poetry community is no doubt beginning to yearn for. That was from the final Eltham Courthouse readings recorded in June 2019. The poetry landscape has changed somewhat, but there are still plenty of events happening. Simply move to an online format. To keep up with the changes, follow Melbourne Spoken Word on social media or go to www.melbournespokenword.com. 3CR Spoken Word will still be broadcasting every Thursday at 9am. And our podcasts are, of course, available from 3cr.org.au forward slash spoken dash word. My name is Brendan Bonsack. Thank you for listening. <laughs>